0: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God.
1: Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, I'm joined by Jen Wilkin and J.T. English to discuss a new book, which they co-authored, You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well. Jen's an author and Bible teacher from Dallas, Texas. Uh, she's organized and led studies for women in home, church, and in parachurch contexts. And J.T. is an author and a teacher, and uh, he currently serves as the lead pastor of Storyline Fellowship in Arvada. Is that what I'm saying right? Arvada? Arvada, Close. We'll, we'll take it, mm-hmm. as long as okay. people know we're Okay, here. we'll take it, we'll take it, in Arvada, uh, Colorado. Uh, and he has also had uh, a lot of experience in previous uh, ministry uh, contexts with theological education and 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 um, developing programs for the local church as well. Uh, friends, it is so great to have you all here on, this, uh, on our podcast to talk about your latest book.
2: Thanks so much for having us on.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in. Let's let's uh, first off let's define some terms. So you say here you are a theologian. That's the title of the book here. What does that mean? Uh, what what is theology? Uh, because obviously there are some folks that here you are a theologian and they go you've got the wrong person, right? You know I'm I'm not a theologian. That's that's these folks over there in the ivory tower and so on. Well, what is theology? and uh and what are some maybe some common misunderstandings about the nature and even the place uh of theology
0: yeah i mean jen and i are both passionate about this question so i'll jump in and jen feel free to to fill anything that i might miss but we wrote this book really in order to answer that question. And mm. and it's also kind of birthed out of our stories a little bit. This isn't just an idea for us. This is something that God has done in our hearts, and our lives, and our ministries. And, you know, often uh, one of my favorite theologians says all theology is autobiography. And what they mean by that is the things that you get passionate about in ministry are the things that God has done in your life. And so mm. uh, I came to faith, uh, I don't want to say later in life, but I didn't grow up in the church. I came to faith when I was in college and was discipled by a parachurch ministry. Super thankful for that. Ultimately went to my pastor at the end of my college experience and said, I'd like to learn. I'd like to grow. I want more things. And so I know there's lots of pastors who listen to this podcast. Like that's a gold moment right there. The the moment of a young buck, like I knew nothing. And I was like, can you help me? And he said, I can definitely help you grow. So what I'm going to do is send you to seminary. And I literally responded. I know we're talking to a seminary here, a wonderful seminary, Southeastern. I said, what is seminary? Like, I didn't even know what that was. I was so far out of kind of the evangelical world there. I didn't know if I could afford that. Um, I just wanted to learn my Bible. Like, I was an average, everyday Christian sitting in the context of the local church just desiring to be discipled. And I show up at seminary for my first day and, you know, credentialed you know theologian walks in with all kinds of degrees and I'm very intimidated I'm wondering if I don't belong I'm wondering if this isn't for me and he he basically asks the question that you're asking he says what is theology this is a, it was like a theology 101 class and mm. people were giving answers like well it's an academic or it's an intellectual or this is for pastors and he wrote two words up on the whiteboard two greek terms that I didn't know greek at the time I had to learn it theos and logos and he basically defined the terms as, you know, theos meaning God and logos meaning words, word or words about God. And he just said, who doesn't have these? Hmm. Do you know anybody that doesn't have words about God, thoughts about God? They could be wrong thoughts, right? That's a main point that we make in the book is, is mm-hmm. not all theologies are created equal, but he basically showed me that day. And it's been an idea in my life ever since that day that every single person, even atheists, secularists, postmodernists, or just kind of, you know, everyday people who just kind of think, man, that's not for me. That is itself even a theology, is that I can't think rightly about God or have right affections towards God. And so we wrote this book, You Are a Theologian, specifically to help convince people that every single person you meet, whether maybe you're serving in the context of a local church, you're talking about a a little four-year-old in your in your kids ministry or a 94-year-old and everything in between mm-hmm. every single one of them is a theologian because we all have thoughts about god and our responsibility as pastors and as christians is to help people have thoughts about god that reflect his revelation what he said about himself in creation in scripture and in christ
1: mm.
2: yeah my story is different from jt's in fact you could argue it's uh, diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. I don't have formal theological training even to this day, uh, but I was a local church practitioner. I was teaching the Bible to women and was very concerned about teaching error. I uh, wouldn't have even known to apply the word theology to what I needed. I just didn't want to say wrong things about God. Uh, and I it became very clear to me that everything that I said or did was either going to illuminate or obscure who God was. And so I wanted to know where are the boundary lines? Like what do Christians agree on with regard to, um, what is good sound teaching about who God is? What are the right words to have about God? Um, and this is in many ways the book that I wish someone had handed to me on my thirtieth birthday. My husband, who's a diehard romantic, gave me uh Louis berkhoff's Systematic Theology. <laughs> and I I had an English degree, so I was able to read books that were, you know, I, I had this I had the ability to dig into that book in bite-sized chunks, but man, I wish that someone had given me something that was a little simpler to start with that might point me toward uh what Burkhoff had to say. And so um, I, I know that you know. If, if it's pastors who are listening to this, there are people in your church who are like me. Uh, most of the people in your church are like me, and they need a starting point. And so, our hope with this book is to give a starting point to um, to the people who are in the pews.
1: Well, that's wonderful. And by the way, uh, fellas, you you did just get that um, uh, that that little hat tip there. That uh, if you want to show your special someone. Uh, that you love them, uh, just just go ahead and give them uh, the whole set of Burkhoff's systematic theology. Uh, you know, nothing or if you really want to go you. for it, go for bovink I, I ah, there we boffing. go, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's next level. That's probably that's the more you, like the golden anniversary, silver anniversary. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you kind of love, love him, give him work
1: work. off. If you really love him, give them Bobbink. Right, Jen? <laughs> Okay. Okay. We're not going to fight. We'll fight after. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, uh, let's, let's be honest. I mean, both of y'all mentioned this uh, as you were kind of sharing your testimonies, that, that there are wrong ways you know, to think about God. There are wrong words you know, about God. There are ways that you can be misled and, and so on. And, and our world is filled with them i mean it's it's really overwhelming to think about how many wrong things are said about God, uh not even just outside of the church but even inside of the church. Uh, both of you all attested to that. so how do we find our bearings? In, in in this in, you know, just kind of in the sea of ideas and thoughts and so on. What what are some red flags or or uh, or key indicators, you know, if you will, that, you know, we're, we're getting a little bit off the rails in terms of our in terms of our theology. How, how, how do you how do you guide people in that way?
2: Yeah, so I I would expect that the average person in my neighborhood would not have right words about God. Mm -hmm. What what I feel responsible to and concerned about deeply is that people who call themselves Christians don't have right words about God. Mm. Uh, and, 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 you know, in the book we cite some statistics from a study that was done by Lifeway and Ligonier, um that would indicate that uh, growing numbers, large percentages of those who call on the name of Christ— cannot articulate basic christian belief so things like uh, jesus was a good man and a good teacher but was not god is a belief that is held by i think it's 48 percent of those who were surveyed wow. uh, who who are evangelical christians uh, and those numbers are on the increase they're not they're not decreasing mm. our our ignorance of of basic christian belief is growing it is not shrinking mm. and so you know when i see those numbers i think well, if if it's the if it's the job of one generation to tell the next, how are we doing? Um, and so, and and then, how can we have a witness outside of of the church if within the church there's confusion on these things? And then another trend that I think no one is ignorant to who spent any time on Christian Twitter is that uh, the church is more divided than it's ever been. But but in almost every case that I can think of, those deep dividing lines have to do with secondary or third-level issues. And one has to wonder if the the tone and the amount of disagreement isn't shaped in some degree by a lack of appreciation for or understanding of the fundamental truths that unite all Christians uh, across 2,000 years.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe just jumping in a little bit there, I agree with what Jen just said. I think, I I would imagine most of the listeners of this podcast so far are kind of nodding their heads in agreement. As pastors, Mm -hmm. we can see that there are challenges in the life of our local churches, whether it's, disagreement over second or third tier issues, why we would have a first Baptist church or a second Baptist church or a first mm-hmm. Presbyterian and a second Presbyterian, because we've gotten really good at disagreeing about stuff. And even within the life of local churches, we'll have factions and disagreements and people kind of wanting us to emphasize certain things. But I think another challenge that, that um, happens here is we, we wrote this book, You Are a Theologian, specifically Not for the person who's so scared that I don't think I can do theology, or maybe we did write it for them. We're just trying to invite them into doing theology. But also, like when I first became a Christian, part of the story that I didn't share here is one of the first books that somebody handed me was a book that we would read in most introduction to systematic theology courses in seminary. It's like 500 pages. i never read a book that big before. And that, I'm not saying we shouldn't read those kinds of books. I eventually did. But that was really intimidating to me. It was really scary to think, oh, so you're telling me in order for me to have some basic ideas about who God is, what he's done, who I am, and what's gone wrong in the world, I have to read more footnotes than pages I've read in the last decade? It was It was really intimidating. So the book that we wanted to write was... Hand this to somebody who is intimidated by theology so that they no longer will be intimidated by theology. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody is invited to this conversation, not just academics, not just pastors, not just missionaries. But that lady in your church who is the prayer warrior and who doesn't maybe hasn't read before is like, but she like loves God. Like she's invited to this conversation or the eighth grader who's overachieving and he's he he or she just loves reading. Like this book is meant to be read by a middle school student. This is not something, theology is not meant to push anybody away, especially in the life of the church. It's meant to draw all people in because there's nobody that God doesn't want uh, them to think well about who he is and love who he is because he's glorious, he's beautiful, he's good, and he's right. And we want all people to understand specifically
1: what he's done for them in Christ. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about that with pastors and uh, with their church members, how, how, how can pastors help their members understand, one, understand theology, uh, but how can they also help them understand that they're theologians? And, and certainly for pastors, one of the aspects of that, uh, of, of teaching and developing, is modeling that for folks. So how, maybe even mm-hmm. you could speak into that, like how they can model that well. How, how do you develop theology and develop theologians uh, in the local church?
2: Well I think it's not so different from the way it might happen in a seminary setting only the the level is different mm-hmm. um, theology is meant to be done in community uh, but what what jT and I and we've talked about this uh, quite a bit over the last several years what what we often see in the local church is that um, the the sermon is seen as the place where that kind of formation is primarily going to happen mm-hmm. and we both hold a very high view of preaching we think it matters in the life of the church and it is formational but we don't we do not agree that it is the only formational place and that and in, in viewed in one light, it should be seen as a passive learning environment because you're not having a dialogue with those who are sitting and listening to, to you preach. And so um, we would say that there need to be places where the average learner can gather with other average learners and someone who can lead that discussion and have dialogue around what they are being introduced to, um, extend the ideas that they're learning. And those conversations should be deep practical. We believe that right theology is deeply practical. Um, When you're dealing with a major life crisis and you're wondering if God can be trusted, understanding that he knows all things is going to impact the way that you view your current situation. You have a handful of, of, of of information about what you're going through, he not only sees everything about what you 're going through, he sees all things past, present, and future, and so that impacts the way then that you're going to face into a trial that 's just one example of how just understanding the doctrine of God or one aspect of the doctrine of God has a deep impact on your on your lived reality and so um, I would say that pastors need to ask where in the life of my local church are the places where people are able to gather and have these discussions in a way that's drawing them toward deeper understanding.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, I've agree to all of it. I think one thing that I've learned over the course of the last several years, and this is going to uh, kind of piggyback up what Jen just said. I mean, I preach, guys, I, for you who are listening to this, I preach every single week. At our church, or most weeks, 40, 45 times a year. Currently do two services, moving to three. So I've got a very high view of God's word. I'm working on my fall sermon series right now. So I'm all in. But one thing I would offer specifically to pastors is think specifically about what environments you're creating in the life of your church in order for these kinds of conversations to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be home groups, could be missional communities, could be small groups, all of those things. But maybe making yourself available in some of these contexts. Mm-hmm. What would it look like for you to maybe think about, okay, who are the, depending on the size of your church, who are the 10, 12, 15, 20, maybe 100 people that I could have a conversation with about these topics? So I, I lead something called the Storyline Institute. I, I did it previously at the Village. And we, at the end of this year, will have almost 400 graduates, wow. all of them members in the life mm-hmm. of our local church. Another 150 this year are going to go through the Institute. And it's going through things like this. We do We do more in the Institute. We do biblical theology and some spiritual formation things. But basically, this book is birthed out of those basic ideas of every single Christian has to answer these questions. Mm. Who is God? What is he like? Who am I? What got, what's what gone wrong in the world? Uh, what is God doing to make things right? What's the life of a local church supposed to look like? And ultimately, where are all all things going? That's doctrine. It's the doctrine of mm. God, the doctrine of humanity, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, Christ and the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the church and the doctrine of end times. And so I, I, when I say think intentionally about spaces, again, different, different churches have different philosophies of ministries, but pastors, you have to create spaces in the life of your local church where these kinds of conversations are happening. If you are not, like, look, I'm just going to maybe, let me preach for a second. If you are not, they are having other conversations in other spaces. Mm. They're political conversations. They're ideological conversations. They're they're the kinds of conversations you actually don't want them having. They are going to have conversations. So when you offer them a diet like this, a diet of the basics of the faith, of systematic theology, biblical theology, all of a sudden they begin to be shaped and formed by God's spirit to look like Christ, to walk like Christ. And so I would say, again, you might, there are people who listen to this podcast who pastor bivocationally and uh you know their your church might be 30 40 50 people you can do this this is not just for a mega giga church and i would also say big churches maybe you're running multiple services find a space a time to carve out 10 weeks where people can come and have these basic conversations. The book was written also intentionally with questions in the back. We wanted to take mm-hmm. some of the workload off you. Just you don't have to come up with questions each week. They're there for you. Use those questions uh, and have dialogue with people. That this is the last thing I'll say. I'm getting a little preachy here, but create a <laughs> create a space for them to to ask not just to ask questions, but to be wrong. Like I think one of the mm-hmm. things that one of the tensions that Jen and I feel when we talk about this is we both want to highlight the Ligonier and LifeWay study that says, look how wrong we are. Mm-hmm. which is true and we're we're concerned about that. We think that's one of the ailments of the contemporary church. We we are not right about the basics of the faith, but we also want to tell the people that are currently wrong about those things that it's okay, but it's also not okay to stay there. You need mm-hmm. to you need to begin growing. And so I think people are hesitant to jump into these spaces because well what if my pa- i've been here for thirty years i'm a deacon in the church i'm a i'm an mm-hmm. elder or whatever or i'm an associate pastor and i don't i don't understand sin the way that the bible describes it, or whatever it might be and so to create a space of charity, of saying, it's okay, we're going to have a conversation about like this. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, Jen and I have said this on every podcast we've done so far about this, is the book is we, – we're, we're grateful for the book. We're proud of the book. But most importantly, we want the book read with the Bible open next to it, with people considering for themselves what God has written in Scripture, how he's revealed himself in Christ and by the Spirit, and disagree with us. Like this is, theology books are meant to be conversation starters, not conversation enders. Mm. Uh, The Bible is what ends the conversation. So read this with your Bible open in the context of community, looking up every scripture reference, reading it for yourself and thinking, is this what God has said? Has he said it this way? Because again, to make it simple, we want you to know what he has said, not just what we have said. We want you to love him and not us. And that's ultimately what theology is. Theology is not a love of theology.
1: Theology is meant to produce a love of God. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Ab- I mean, y'all are absolutely right. And, uh, you know, you, you, both of y'all have hinted at, at uh, discipleship and, and kind of mm-hmm. the role of theology in discipleship. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when we talk about uh, discipling, it's one of the things I, I tell our church folks It's one of the things that I, I tell my students, one of the things I tell my kids. Everyone is always being discipled. Mm-hmm. There's you, you are being discipled 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even in your sleep, you're being discipled because you're, you know, uh, you're, you're learning, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, what, why are you going to sleep right now? Why are you staying awake? Why are you, you know, only getting three hours of sleep, you know, and, and, and all these different things. All those things are shaping you, you know, they're shaping you and, and kind of orienting you uh, in a certain direction. And so you're always being discipled. Uh, how, how, what is that connection there with theology and and discipleship, you know, I mean, you, you can, uh, we know this, right? You 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 have folks that say, well, we're going to give you theology, so they give you the the big hefty book, and 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 you sit in the classes and and all of these different things, and you are filling up the head with so much stuff, right? You got all this information that's going uh, that, that's uh, that's that's getting pumped into your head, um, but it's not actually forming you and shaping you for really anything. Um, you know, so so how how is theology uh, uh, instrumental in discipleship and uh, in, in true, you know, discipleship into followers of Jesus?
2: Well, so I, most listeners who know who I am would know that my drumbeat has been Bible literacy. Mm-hmm. That people would understand, um, have a basic understanding, basic grasp of what the Bible says from start to finish, uh, and um, you know, that's another thing that's missing in the church today. Uh, but we can 't we can 't give people good tools for understanding the Bible without giving them good lenses mm. and so um, theology is so the per, the person who might say well oh, theology that 's just a lot of thinky thinky and i want I, I, I would like to feel a little bit more um, uh, and so therefore, I'm going to stick with the Bible uh, is missing the connection between those two things. Those two things need each other. The mm-hmm. Bible is helping us to understand our theological positions and theology is helping us to understand the Bible because theology is organizing for us ideas that can be found uh, throughout the Bible from start to finish. And so um, the question of whether it gets from head to heart, I think, is one that every teacher or preacher has to ask. Um, we don't want just a passive download of information, and that's why an active learning environment is so important to the learning outcome of this not just being theological but doxological that it, that, it, that it lead us to a life of praise and worship of God. Um, we live, however, in such a feelings based uh, environment when it comes to faith in general and uh I've seen this so much in all female circles through the years that anything that is related to the mind is sometimes uh is tends to be uh suspect It's like well that's that's not faith like faith is feeling hmm. um and those are just facts and so I do think part of the work of the person who says, "I see this as a need in the local church is to help people understand um that there is nothing more uh, th- that if we want to feel deeply about God, we have to think deeply about God. And so that's what theology does for us. It helps invite us into deep thinking, which um, by the power of the Spirit, and I would add by a a, a teacher who understands the beauty of what they're teaching, Mm -hmm. leads uh, or disciples people into an understanding of how our thinking changes our feelings, rightly orients our feelings. And so, um, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, the Pharisees knew a lot about God. You know that's that's a probably one of the most common critiques we'll hear. the Pharisees were full of knowledge, but they didn't love god and and I always like to point out that the Pharisees did not have the Holy Spirit they were not believers um and and so we can we can say what's the missing link there? How do we help a believer understand the significance of um of knowing God in terms of how they feel about God. And we understand it in human terms, like, um, the more that, uh, I know my spouse, the more I love my spouse. Uh, the more that JT and I have known each other through the years, the deeper our affection for each other has grown as friends. Right. And so, uh, the same is true about God. The more that we know of him, no one has never been more true of anyone than God that to know him is to love him. So we're actually inviting them into a greater love, Uh, of him but in many cases people have been made wary of just a thought level discussion because it feels like it it just terminates there Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i'll just jump into because jen i think makes a helpful point about the pharisees this is what i was told right when i became a christian is and especially when i decided to go to seminary is like be careful that your mm. your knowledge of God is going to grow so much that you're not going to love him. Mm. Or you think of Nicodemus coming to see Jesus and Jesus does not condemn Nicodemus for knowing too much. He condemns him for knowing too little. He says, yes. "How could you be a teacher of Israel and not know these things?" Uh, or other conversations that Jesus has with people is, hey, how do we inherit eternal life? You have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So these two ideas that we're trying to highlight in the book, knowledge and love, are related to each other. Mm-hmm. And as Jen has helpfully pointed out in her other in, in her ministry and other works, is you can't love a God that you don't know. Something said by Sproul and Augustine, and Jen has said it helpfully. Uh, but you also can't follow a God you don't know. You if, if you don't know Jesus, and if you are not following the true Jesus of Nazareth, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, and now leading his church by the Holy Spirit, you can't follow him if you don't know him. You can't love him if you don't know him. And so we, we really see these stats with Ligonier and LifeWay as indicative of the fact that lots of people don't know him, which means they're claiming to follow him, but actually might not be. Now, we're not making, this is not a conversation about who's saved and who's not saved, because the good news is, is our theology tells us that we are not saved by doctrine. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ. So this is not a conversation about soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. It really is, as you pointed out, Roger, a conversation about discipleship. How do we help those who have been converted by the Holy Spirit in Christ to grow in maturity through sanctification by the Holy Spirit in the life of local churches by having conversations around Scripture, specifically relating to conclusions that Scripture would offer us about who God is and what He's done and how we can love and worship Him well?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fabulous uh, uh, insights, and, and and definitely thank y'all uh, for that. But we do know, of course— those folks <laughs> right we knew the one we know the ones who 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 get a whole lot of theology they get a whole lot of content you know and and everything and they just become these cyborgs right you know mm-hmm. who are just you know just just going and and you know bulldozing through churches and 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 all of this and and just bludgeoning people you know you don't know what you're talking about i know what i'm talking about blah 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 blah. you know there's these kind of you know uh, uh you know like i said you know cyborgs you know that are that are on a mission to terminate everybody and uh and and you know you think in first corinthians 8 when paul is talking to the corinthians and he you know he's talking specifically about food that's being sacrificed to idols and and should should you eat should you not eat, and all of that, and there were people who had knowledge. You know, in fact, that, that was apparently one of their little adages. You know, they said all of us possess knowledge. In other words, we're enlightened. We know, you know, that this isn't that big of a deal. You know, we know that there's nothing wrong theologically, and all of that. So just eat the stupid meat, you know, and and, and mm-hmm. leave us alone, you know, and so on. And Paul establishes that principle that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Now, there are all kinds of ways that it, that's been abused, <laughs> that, yeah. that we've mm-hmm. taken that, that, uh, that adage totally out of context and, and so on. But I think we understand what Paul's talking about, that there's a sense of knowing the right answer that, that we can kind of now weaponize and kind of wield as a, as a, as a weapon over people uh, instead of that knowledge actually producing a love that says let's care for those who don't know. You know, and let's care for those who you know who may not uh, have been versed with with all of this, and 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 so on. And so we we understand that there is a, that there can be a way to be a good theologian and a totally unhumble and unloving <laughs> person. Uh, how do we like curb that? Like how do we how do we produce humble and loving? Theologians, <laughs> because it seems like we're 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 kind of falling behind a little bit these days.
2: Well, I think you make a good point. If you're looking around and diagnosing the primary problem in the church today, we are far more in danger of theological ignorance than we are theological arrogance. Mm. Uh, I think we have far far less of a risk of having an army of Pharisees uh, than we do an army of completely undisciplled uh, converts. Mm. And so, um, you know, I just I don't I don't meet 500 of those people, um, but I do meet 500 of the kinds of people who just couldn't even tell you um, uh, two facts mm-hmm. about the Trinity. And so, it is important, I think, for us to ask, where are we right now in Christian, uh, uh, in 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 Christian evangelicalism in our context? And um, all of the uh, surveys are showing us. My lived experience in the local church is telling me mm-hmm. that we are not overrun with Pharisees. We actually have a a great deal of people who, who have no idea how to articulate their faith. And so what I don't want to do is guard against creating Pharisees by maintaining the ignorance of the masses. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I do think that the the motive of the heart is something that we don't have control over. And we just need to say that in any discipleship setting. We don't have control over the motive of the heart. It doesn't mean we don't still dispense of our duty to disciple people. Um, It's between a person and the Lord, whether their motive is pride or humility. But theology taught from a humble posture does tend to... To create those who are humble about theology, mm. and that's a key factor of uh, of what JT and I see as the as the teaching mechanism here. Um, too often, the the church has given a model of um, an expert who stands on a platform, and amateurs amateurs who sit in the seats what we would like to see is a diminishing of the expert amateur divide Mm -hmm. that the people who are in the seats recognize that the person on the platform is, is, is in a place that they're moving toward, not in a place that they simply gaze on and say, wow, I could never be Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but whether they perceive the person on the platform to be someone they're moving toward or not has a lot to do with the disposition of the person on the platform. Mm -hmm. Are they invitational? Are they humble? Are they, as you said earlier, uh, Ronda, are they are they modeling that uh, so yes there is a very important posture that's modeled from the platform uh, but I think also just looking for ways to diminish the distance between the platform and the pews is critical to uh, having an active learning space where where people are being pulled forward um, versus just sitting and passively learning
0: hmm. I think one of the best ways pastors and theologians and whether you're teaching in a seminary Bible Bible uh, school or high school setting or in the life of a local church, uh, because I'm just kind of piggybacking off Jen's last point here, removing the expert amateur divide, that's why we use the word invitation, invitation to come and be a part of the conversation. And let me just give a real practical piece of advice that I I have found that is very easy for me to do uh, that helps people come to the conversation is when you're asked a question about theology that you don't know the answer to, what does an expert do? they fake it. <laughs> they, act like mm-hmm. they know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the best ways to invite people in when you're asked a hard question is to say, I don't know. I don't know. Let's find out together. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's open the Bible and let's go read this or let's ask, what do you guys think? And that, we don't say we don't know because truth is unknowable. Of course it's knowable. And of course we can come to conclusions, but no theologian has, has a, a total right to all truth or a grasp of all biblical truth, which is which is to say that we're all lifelong learners, that when we're inviting people to be lifelong learners of who God is and what he's done, that means that starts with us. The teachers are the ones demonstrating lifelong learning, which means we don't know the answer to every question. We've gotten things wrong. We're getting things wrong. We still will get things wrong in the future. But we're on this journey in the context of the local church with each other, with the Holy Spirit, with our Bibles open of learning and asking these questions and growing. And and so I think pastors, one of the ways that you can demonstrate this isn't for you to, because I, I know if you're, if you have, if maybe you perhaps have a credential you have an MDiv or a THM or something, and somebody asks you a question, it can be like a, well, I've got to show them that I've got a degree. The way that you show them you got a degree is if you don't know something, you say, I don't know, but I do know how to find it. Cause that's one of the best things seminary okay. teaches you how to do is not to know all the answers, but to know where to go to find them
1: yeah that's that's so good and you I mean you think about the the end game of of this whole thing you know that uh growing in theology uh you know we never arrive at it right. because as as y'all said at the beginning theology is a word about god you know you can't exhaust the inexhaustible <laughs> you know i mean you're mm-hmm. you we will spend all of eternity long before we've breathed our last breath and breathe again, <laughs> you know, that's good theology, uh, you know, long before, you know, uh, or long after all of that, uh, we will still be learning, you know, and we will still be seeing more and more and understanding more and more of who he is, even face to face, you know, and so there, it's, it's not a target, you know, to be hit. As much as it is a a life to be lived, you know, uh, of just learning more and understanding more, and 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 beholding more, you know, of of his beauty and of his glory, and 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 you know, understanding more of the wisdom of the world uh, that he's created and the the history that that is unfolding and so on. And so you have you have that sense that that then for us, we want other people to get in on that. You know, we want other people to to join in with us to kind of see it. I I joke a lot with preaching that I say my philosophy of preaching is really just to stand up and go. I know, right? Um, <laughs> it's just it's right. just to get up there and just point and go. Look, you know, I, I, I told you, isn't that amazing? You know, he's he's awesome. You know, and 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 just kind of absorbing people into this, you know, into mm-hmm. this this circle, you know, of mm-hmm. of a. Uh, of, of knowing him and, and loving him, which is why I love y'all's subtitle so well, you know, uh, or so much is that, you know, this idea of knowing and loving him well, you know, uh, how, where do we get to that point? We don't, (laughs) you know, there, there is no point (laughs) to get, to get to, it's, it's just a constant ever, you know, growing, ever increasing, uh, you know, understanding and love and, and, and enjoyment of him. Uh, which we'll be okay. celebrating for for all of eternity, and so if that's the case, then the idea of theology as um, as, as you know, I I learn to win an argument, you know, or I I win to you know uh, to 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 score one point over my opponent, you know, or anything like that, it just looks so silly and short sighted and 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 everything compared to what we actually, and what I think you guys are actually uh, pointing us towards as well, uh, which is you get to know the true God (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you get to enjoy the world as he actually made it, you know, and, 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 uh, and understand it and see it as he sees it. And, uh, you know, we get to have fellowship with him. We get to, to see what the lenses that he gives us and, uh, and and we get to marvel, you know, at at what he is doing, you know, and making all things new. Uh, I mean, is, is that would, you, would is that what y'all would say is kind of the end the end game of the whole thing? That that uh, you know, it's it's as y'all said, you know, to know and to love him well.
0: Yeah, I mean, the prophet Habakkuk says to Israel and living in exile in Habakkuk two fourteen that the mm. knowledge of the glory of the Lord one day is going to cover the earth the way water covers the sea. And what a beautiful picture for us to think about that one day, the knowledge and the glory and the beauty and the goodness and the joy and the just the, the 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 nature of God is one day going to be accessible to everybody in the most satisfying and rich and joy-filled ways. And theology is an invitation to begin that journey now, where we're saying, Great, we know that's ha- we don't want to say we know that's gonna happen in the future, therefore I don't have to worry about it. We can actually say, no, by the Holy Spirit, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is enjoyable today mm-hmm. by you in your marriage, in your relationships, in your home group, and in your church, pastors. And so Christian theologians are the ones who are saying, we believe what the prophet Habakkuk said is true. We know that day is coming, but we're not content to wait for that day. Mm-hmm. We are we are so eager to know and be joyful in the Lord and love him that we want the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to be here today with us. And that's why we do theology, to to live in God's world as he has created it, and really to enjoy him because he's the only one that will satisfy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not jumping in there. That sounded great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that is a good word. That is a good word. Any any final encouragement to our pastors and and other listeners who may be uh, jumping in on this? Any any final words of encouragement to them?
2: Yeah, I would just say this is doable. Um, And and the reason I would say it's doable is because it's not theoretical. It's not hypothetical for for the two of us. We've been doing it. We've seen it working. Um, And we've seen the hunger that there is that's out there. And I would imagine that many of those who are listening are aware of the hunger and may not know where to start to address it. And so we just want to encourage you by saying you're not wrong. Uh, There is a, a hunger for this. And you can do it. Uh, not only mm-hmm. that, but you must. I mean, we're, we're mm-hmm. called to to transmit this faith from one generation to the next. And um, the reason that they have not learned it yet is, is in large part just because no one has offered it to them. And so we want to be those as, as church leaders. We want to be those who say, no, here it is. Here's the banquet table. Um, but you can do it. You have the skills that you need, and you have the relationships that you need. That's the biggest uh, part of this. Probably is just that if you have the trust of your people, then then you know you take them uh, this and you say, "Hey, this matters," and they're going to respond. They're going to um, they're going to enter into those dialogues. And, uh, and and the local church is a beautiful place for this to happen. JT has reflected how different the local church setting is from, a, say, a, a classroom setting in a seminary. There isn't competition in the local church. There's collaboration. Um, there's a, a partnering with one another to move forward in understanding. That's just a beautiful familial thing to see. And so as a, as a church leader, you should look forward to that because that's something we really savored seeing happen in our own local churches. Um, it's not just that people are learning. It's that they're learning together and they're having mm-hmm. the joy of discovery together. So um, you can do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. You can do this. Uh, and one of the one of the conversations that Jen and I find ourselves in often is we're often talking to pastors and practitioners, mm-hmm. leaders of local churches, but we also find ourselves talking to members of local churches. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, can we just get them in the same room and talk together? Because yes. pastors often want to do this, but they're afraid to. And sh- and church members want this. They just don't know how to tell their pastor. Mm-hmm. And so when we were just on a call a few days ago where somebody was saying, I, we've been asking for this at our church for 10 years, but we don't know how, and we don't want to discourage our pastor. We don't want to, you know, but pastors, you have to you have to be able to realize that our people want this stuff. They were made to do this. And so to have the courage and, and the fortitude to say, okay, we're going to step into 10 weeks, 10 weeks about thinking about God, loving him with our Bibles open in conversation. I really think, and, and again, I, I pastored a different church now, but Jen and I were at the same church for a while. It was a it was a kind of a radical moment there for people to just get to open the Bible, be in the context of their community, and learn about who God is in deep ways. It really it, it it at storyline. My church it's been transformative, and I think at our previous church it was and continues to be. And this is not something that's inaccessible to you. You can do this, even if you don't have formal training, even if you haven't gone to seminary. That's fine. Uh, but you were meant to know God and love him. And you were meant to lead your people into loving and knowing him too. And we're convinced that by the Holy spirit and through grace, that'll happen in the
1: context of your church. Mm. Jen, JT, thank you so much for this, uh, this wonderful conversation.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to thank you uh, friends for listening to another episode of pastor matters. I think that you'll find this book to be a must read uh, to encourage you to embrace a life of not just learning, but doing theology. Again, the title is, You Are a Theologian, an Invitation to Know and Love God Well. If you found this conversation helpful, why don't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback that you'd be willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my brothers, be steadfast